0: This is Filmmaker's Cookbook, a podcast where we turn your favorite films into a dish, helping you expand your cinematic diets. This show is hosted by myself, Michelangelo White, and as always, by my crazy, knife-wielding friend, Charles. Yep, never book a stay at my hotel, just a warning. I have a confession to make. Ooh, I like those. Uh, This is more of an embarrassing thing than anything to do with the movie, but I have a problem with spelling psycho. Oh, yeah okay how do you spell psycho i always for some reason put p y s instead of p s y so pisco yeah and in pisco is a completely different thing it's an alcohol But, but anyways this is the film that is called psycho let me just give a summary for this film psycho is a classic suspense horror film directed by alfred hitchcock That was released in 1960. The movie tells the story of Marion Crane, a woman who embezzles money from her employer and flees to a secluded motel run by a young man named Norman Bates. Without giving too much away, Psycho is known for its suspenseful plot twists and for its iconic shower scene, which has become one of the most famous and memorable scenes in cinematic history. The movie has been highly influential in the horror genre and has been highly regarded as the masterpiece of cinema, giving it its number 18 spot on this list of America's film institutes, top 100 films. So that is the movie we're going to be making a dish out and breaking down today for y'all. Let's dig in. Here we have what little motel tucked away off the main highway. And as you see, perfectly harmless-looking, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. All tidied up, the bathroom. (coughs) Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here very slowly. Of course, the shower was on. There was. No sound. And. Uh... Where do you want to start with this film?
1: Well, why don't we start with. I mean, it's just this movie is so iconic, and I feel like so many people have talked about it that it's hard to even talk about. You know what I mean?
0: true i mean i would say that so i feel like there's you know, nothing to add to the conversation almost <laughs> sure This so going and i feel like this has been like a common trend within the top 20 films so far we've got into is that all of these films are kind of trendsetters in a way of of their respective genres or their respective stories and in this one definitely it the shower scene specifically has been parodied hundreds of times and the story i mean the the story has been remade and there's been sequels banned off of it and universal studios backlot has the whole set there this movie specifically is so famous and is is you know like you said been talked about so much that maybe there isn't too much to say but i think nonetheless no one has really broken down the flavors of this film so going into it 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 starts off as a very it's a crime film it's well it's it starts (laughs) off as you know submerges your expectations of what the film is going to be and i feel like also alfred hitchcock doesn't necessarily make horror films really or thriller films like somewhat yes but like going into the film you probably might not even know that it could have been a horror or scary or thriller film possibly right and you know it starts off very subtly like okay it's has this money this person steals and is trying to get it to the boyfriend to then be happily ever after oh, are they going to be chased down by police? Are they going to be chased down by private investigators? Like what's going to happen? What crazy things going to ensue? But then it, it kind of comes to a halt in the first act where the main character or the character you think is going to be the main character is brutally murdered at the shower. And then it cuts to pretty much following her sister and the boyfriend to find out what happened to her.
1: It's definitely like that aspect of it is what one of the most subversive things that's ever happened in cinema is killing off your main character, you know, one third of the way into the film. I believe that really hadn't happened before this movie and it was a huge risk because the audiences could have very easily turned on the film and been like and walked out and destroyed this film. (laughs) <laughs> Critically, but because the the mystery was so enthralling, and the uh, the sister comes in and it, it plays on dramatic irony so well that we get this whole other kind of suspense that we hadn't really you know experienced before, a knowing suspense. It wasn't just a suspense where the main character is obviously heading into a dark building and the dark building's obviously filled with with you know, whatever. And you know, it's likely that they're gonna get they're gonna run into something that might try to kill them. It wasn't that kind of suspense. It was, oh, we know that this guy or somehow this person, this hotel is connected to the death of the first sister, and now this other sister is walking straight into it, and we yeah. can't look away. <laughs> Because yeah, we, yeah. we know. And then on top of that, we get this double twist of the mother and and who the real, who is actually the mother that's killing all of these people, which is amazing. It, yeah. It's the twist you didn't see
0: coming. Exactly. And did you know that actually, fun fact here, that um, Hitchcock actually went through extensive precautions and enforced movie theaters to refuse to let anyone in late to the movie in order to keep the movie from being spoiled for people who are going in late
1: really i didn't know that but that's hilarious i'm gonna do that for all of my future films <laughs> just be really annoying you can't be late if you're one second late i'm gonna kick you out of the theater yeah right have armed oh, I guards
0: would, i would never have been able to watch this film i know
1: <laughs> for those uh... of you who don't know Michael is always walking in right as the movie is starting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, going off of that, speaking of Hitchcock specifically, do you did you spot Hitchcock in this film? Do you know where he is? Um where is he? He's very briefly in the opening scene at the office. Like he's outside wearing a, a hat and he like kind of walks by.
1: Oh, I didn't spot him. Normally he's very obvious. I, I love his cameos. My favorite one is uh Oh, which movie is it? The one where he's doing like a weight loss ad? Which one is that in? <laughs> oh, it was in Lifeboat. Lifeboat. Mm. That one's good. I really like Lifeboat.
0: So, this film, we talked about like the change in the the theme, the mood and everything and that, that intense feeling of what's going to be happening because I don't understand, but this it's, you kind of understand a little bit like, okay, someone murdered someone and it's this boy is kind of protecting or like knows about it as well but you don't really understand it until the very end and there's like that sense of unknowing that makes you want to just keep watching this film there's the
1: the mystery of it because we never see the mother we just get these allusions to the mother but we kind of know who the mother is which is so interesting too because we get some of her dialogue lines and then we learn later that all of those dialogue lines are actually in his head. Yeah. I love the ending. The ending in particular is so strong.
0: It is. It's great. Like it's through and through, it's it's a great film. I mean, mm. it's, it's well written. It's well acted. You know, everything about this film was, was great. Speaking of the shower scene, you know that that scene specifically took over seven days to film
1: i mean i believe it there's like how many different shots in that
0: one sequence it's like there's 77 different camera angles in that's in that shot
1: yeah and it's a it's kind of a, a miraculous sequence too because you never see anything other than like her shoulders her face like a part of her thigh mm-hmm. but it it feels so invasive but it really isn't
0: which is kind of a a miracle of film editing. Yeah. It's also like disorienting in a way that Mm -hmm. kind of reflects the the chaos of of you know this lady who is taking a shower and then gets stabbed to death like unsure of what's going on kind of thing it's just like chaotic but in a way that it's not chaotic where you can't understand it still like you completely understand exactly what's happening and all the horror and and terror of it but then at the same time it still gets across that that like chaotic nature of the scene itself Mm -hmm.
1: it's also interesting because we're in a uh, in a world where the average cut in a film nowadays is like 2 seconds whereas back in Hitchcock's time when he made this movie in 1960 you could have a a shot that lasted a minute 2 minutes and that would be like normal and so i think this was like one of the first times where you really see fast cutting on a on a major film and um one of the things that i think makes it work so well here whereas it potentially wouldn't have worked in a modern movie is the fact that the rest of the movie is shot in more of a long take style you have these shots that linger for like a minute or two or follow a character through a place and the only time we get these like really chaotic cutting is when something really awful is about to happen and that adds to the impact from the viewer's perspective. And that's why it's so strong still. Whereas a lot of movies today use such choppy editing constantly that I feel like it doesn't have any impact anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I, I almost think you could watch just that that fast, choppy editing of that shower scene by itself, give it to a, a normal person, and they wouldn't even necessarily think it was that fast. They would only think it was fast after sitting in the movie theater watching the whole movie because the movie trains you to expect it not to be fast and not to be choppy. And so when yeah. it is choppy and fast, it's really jarring.
0: But actually, it's funny how I think like current cinema kind of does the opposite of it, right? Yeah. Like they try to make the the eerie kind of thing by instead of adding a cut every second, by having a longer take and really draw out a scene. Like, don't don't worry, darling, how did I like that? Which was almost to a comical effect because it just was way too long. But, you know, it's kind of interesting how we flipped the... The process of, of doing it which i i think i like this older style to be honest with you it, it i do too it feels more like refined and um...
1: purposeful exactly
0: and i think there's
1: something to the pure cinema of it which uh, this is a thing that that I believe Hitchcock coined was there's a difference between just shooting a scene and like getting basic coverage of a scene and creating what he called pure cinema, which is telling the story through purely visual means. So very often the dialogue in Hitchcock movies are actually kind of throwaway, but the story is being told through these really clever visual cues and really clever edits. So, like, you'll see two people talking about, you know, anything. They could be talking about the baseball game that happened the night before, and Hitchcock will sneakily edit in, like, a shot of a gun, and you won't, it'll be just in the crowded room, and you'll know that somebody in the room has a gun. And from that moment on, the whole scene changes, and so the two characters, the two main characters will be continuing talking about a baseball game but the tension is escalating because you're you're not sure how this gun is going to be involved in the scene. And then, you know, he'll sneak in another shot of somebody cocking the gun, getting ready to shoot it. And then eventually you'll get the final release of it when the gun goes off, but it will be somehow subverting the expectation. And so you're enthralled the whole time, despite everything being like the actual scene that you're, you're watching is kind of maybe not actually interesting. Like What's interesting about two people talking about baseball? Nothing. It's only interesting because you have all these visual elements coming in, creating tension, and you want your characters to survive. And so you want them, you don't want to see them get shot. And so as soon as the gun gets placed in the scene, it's this like tension ramping device, which a lot of movies don't do very well today.
0: I mean, I think that's what Hitchcock is kind of famous for and what he's, such a master of and I think this is movie is a great example of the accumulation of, of Hitchcock's multiple talents and I think being able to set up a scene and have tension in a scene with just the smallest thing it's great I think again I mean this is why Hitchcock is taught in, in film school and why it's on this list and i I love hitchcock's films and i think that it would be great to go maybe into some of his other films because they're also they're all really great films i would love Um, to go
1: into some of his lesser known films like i think we just talked about lifeboat because of the the one cameo he does in that mm -hmm. and that's a movie that i think most people haven't actually seen but is also very worth you know watching because it has all of his devices that he uses but it they're less refined and so they're actually easier to talk about because you you kind of pick a you can kind of pick them out when he's doing something because i I, lifeboat if i am remembering correctly is is
0: it's the one that they're all stuck on the lifeboat yeah
1: yeah yeah. they're yes as the title suggests (laughs) okay yeah they're a
0: good one i actually really like that one
1: yeah it's great it has some great actors in it too but because it's such a, a limited space he's forced to be much more clever than he would normally have
0: to be yeah, I mean, again, this is also like going back to Knock of the Cabin we watched recently too. Like yes. having a movie in, in one location and they had a whole cabin to go through and they had, and in Lifeboat, they only have a, a lifeboat. He like could make an interesting and like dynamic story and have so many different conflicts that kind of build up and pay off. While in Knock of the Cabin, is just like one conflict that they he never explores any other ideas and it just kind of accumulates... really nothing or like it doesn't really pay off
1: you should have a whole hitchcock series
0: anyways going back to this hitchcock film anything else you want to say about his the movie or do you want to just kind of jump into to flavors and breaking and talking about food i think it's
1: one of the things that this movie did that a lot of movies prior to it, didn't do as explicitly, uh, is focus on psychology of a character. I think ever since Psycho, movies have had the license to not only focus just on, you know, the actions of characters, but also why these actions are so important to that character in a really demented way in Psycho. but. But prior to that, I think most movies, especially in the 1950s, which maybe maybe this is just because the 1950s were like kind of a particularly not great era of filmmaking, that the characters were mostly just caricatures of of different types of people. They were um, tropes. Whereas this is more of a like here is a unique situation with a character who's fully rounded and has a real life beyond the movie, and the movie is just one kind of moment in these in these characters lives that's what's so interesting about psycho as opposed to a lot of other movies around that time period is that psycho feels almost real
0: yeah i mean it definitely could be it feels like something that could could happen you know yeah especially the way that they they break it down and they present it
1: and i think that's um, partially due to the the psychology that it focuses on
0: how the ending, how they kind of go into it and kind of break down the psychology and the psychologist comes out and kind of talks about the mental problem the character has and how that has led to him to this split personality and has killed all these people.
1: It makes you terrified to walk down the street, yeah. which is someone fun. Could, someone could be pretending to be their mom and try to kill you. <laughs> I mean, like another a movie that is directly related almost, because of just not, they're not related literally, but they are, I don't think you could have this movie without Psycho perceiving it, is something like Silence of the Lambs. Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs is, you know, just a, a contemporizing of a lot of the themes in Psycho. True. Very interesting. But anyways. Flavors. Let's jump into to them. Tasties. Tasty, tasty. Nom noms.
0: All right, well... <laughs> Let's pull out our kitchen knives and start slashing at some recipes. So just to go over an overview again, because I know we only did like nine of these uh, film cookbook episodes at this point, we will break down the elements of the film into flavors such as spicy, sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami. And we're going to create a dish, not create a dish, but choose a dish or kind of choose and create a dish that best represents the flavors that are represented in this film. Going into it, I will say that from my perspective, you would get a lot of, there's like surprise in there through the shower scene and through the ending and through the whole thing. There's like these elements of surprise of what's going to happen and the investigator getting killed and different things like that, right? There's not really much happiness in this film, I would say. It's probably like the least flavor of this. I guess the happy ending in terms of that they caught the killer. Is it even Um, that
1: happy though? Because like, (laughs) it kind of ends with like, here is this like, awful person that really exists in the world you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah okay so i was gonna say that there's not really any happiness in this film but there yeah i mean yes yes there's not really much if at all happiness like there's maybe like some sprinkling of it but not like it's not like a strong flavor in this yeah um, sadness. I would say that there's some sadness for sure because you know the main the sister dies and a lot of these characters die. So there are elements of sadness.
1: I think the primary emotion is fear. Don't you think?
0: I was gonna say like fear, surprise, sadness are the main three. There's not. I don't know if you really would be angry this film there's very
1: little anger for me i agree i think disgust is also a thing i think it's sort of a like look at how disgusting humanity can be there's an element of that Mm -hmm. which is very present to to hitchcock in general he's very misanthropic
0: i definitely agree and i think trying to think of like a dish i actually have a dish as well again that i want to pitch for you okay i'm thinking like a like a spiced chocolate something very interesting you say that because I'm also thinking, like, I was thinking maybe, like, lava cake or something like bitter chocolate, though. Like, I, I, it would be, like, a, a very, not, like, a sweet chocolate, like a milk chocolate or, or a white chocolate or something. But, like, a very cacao, chocolatey, bitter chocolate. And I think, like, some spiced elements of it. Possibly some cayenne pepper or, like, some nutmeg and some cardamom and cloves. Especially clove to really give, like, a spicy kick to it. Yeah. something that kind of has like a elements to it i was thinking lava kick initially because it has a solid exterior but as you cut into it it has like a molten core which is like maybe there's two elements of this character who is pretending to be a kid and also his mom and also like the two sisters starts off you thinking that the main character is the main girl who gets killed and then the sister takes over and she's the main character like all these always these elements of two in this movie of these two different characters that are kind of coming in so i think like those two elements possibly was kind of fun but um Mm -hmm. anyways what, what, what do you think
1: i really like the the dark chocolate with some kind of spicy flavor idea i think that's that would be where i would take it as well And then interestingly enough, so I was thinking like a dark chocolate chili, which is a dish that combines the bitterness of dark chocolate with the spiciness of chili peppers to create a complex and intense flavor profile. It can be served with a sprinkle of sea salt on top for a touch
0: of saltiness. You said dark chocolate chili.
1: It's like a dark chocolate with chili flakes in it, or something, or somehow chili spiciness oh, oh, imbued see, see. into the dark chocolate. So I was thinking like a dark chocolate bar, yeah. but I actually like your lava cake idea more because I agree because it's like this nice presentable package on the outside. That's how this movie starts: is everything is all nice and neat and perfectly respectable on the outside, and then the further you go on, the more all these flavors mix together, and it's this like chaos of molten, you know, situations. Yeah.
0: And, and to add- that like citrus sourness to it you can even have like a powdered sugar with lemon zest in it or some of that or you can have like a lemon zested powdered sugar on top that maybe adds a little bit of maybe sweetness to it like a tiny bit but then also like that zesty sour lemon-ish yeah element to it as well i like it you know you get a lot of those flavors right Mm -hmm. i'm going into it you know just diving into it a little deeper you get like the the spiciness from the cardamom and the cloves right and that's like that spicy element the the sad the salty of course like the main big big thing for cooking uh, for baking sweets and baking in general is that salt it's so essential in the baking like chocolate chip cookies the main ingredient if you're making chocolate chip cookies at home and you're thinking what is this missing it's probably salt yep so saltiness is like a key ingredient here and then that bitter fear element of of the chocolate and then that that sourness of the 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 lemon zest on top is i think a good a culmination of all these things again really quickly surprise being spicy happy being sweet sad being salty fear being bitter disgust being sour and anger being umami i think you get like a dish that it's complex
1: it's tasty it's rich in in certain ways and it's uh and it has enough contrast between these different flavors to like keep you engaged the whole time it's not one note at all it's great and that's exactly how I feel about this movie. Like, this is one of those movies that you can absolutely watch many times. And every time it's just as enjoyable.
0: Yeah. And I think also it's like a classic dish, too. You know, like it's a dish that you would probably have seen around this time anyways. And it's so it's like it kind of represents that as well. But it's also honestly a little bit. I don't know. The, f- the first few times i tried making something like this i actually messed it up the first few times so i think it is also slightly like it requires special. a level of
1: finesse to achieve yeah yeah you know,
0: something something along the lines that hitchcock could could do you know i like
1: it what should we call
0: it M- yeah. mama's molten lava cake <laughs> sure mama's molten lava cake
1: the Bates cake the Bates cake i like it one of those one of those should work yeah.
0: All right, well, there you have it. We have our molten cake for this movie, Psycho. Tell us what you think. Do you think molten cake or lava cake represents this film? Let us know uh, at Instagram or Twitter at Film Cookbook. We hope you enjoyed it, and you know, maybe make some some molten cake at home and and watch Psycho again and uh see we'll see what you think. That'll be it for this one. We'll see you in two weeks in the next episode of Filmmakers Cookbook. That's a wrap on Psycho. We'll see you next time, everyone.
1: Bye.